In the name of Jesus, Amen. Today is Ascension Sunday. Not Ascension Day. Ascension Day, 40 days after Easter, was this past Thursday. But because it's hard for us to get people to come to church on a Thursday around here, we usually celebrate Ascension the Sunday after. If you think about it for a minute, you might wonder why we celebrate Ascension Day at all. I mean, the other big festivals, Christmas, Jesus coming to be amongst us, God amongst us, with us, uh, Epiphany, the wise man, Easter, victor over death, Pentecost, the Holy Spirit, and all that, those make all sorts of sense. But this other one, Ascension Day, which with those other big festivals of the church from the very first century have been celebrated amongst God's people uh, as just as great, You couldn't blame someone, you wouldn't wonder too much, if someone were to say, you know, how about skipping Ascension this year? Just kind of not up for it. I mean, mean, after all, I mean, Ascension, Jesus going away, and hey, you know, if I'm honest, I'd kind of like it if he was still around. (laughs) In fact, a sensitive soul might even uh, question celebrating Ascension Day for fear that it might hurt Jesus' feelings. You know, it's kind of like this. Uh, I left my previous congregation I mean, after about six years of ministry in the summer of 2008, I guess it was. I enjoyed my time there. I, I like to think that the people uh, liked me well enough, maybe even were a little sad to see me go. And so it would hurt a little bit <laughs> that if I found out that every August for the last 12 years, they had a special service at their church to celebrate the departure of Pastor Ben. <laughs> that would hurt a little bit. It would be kind of weird. You could imagine the same thing if, if a former workplace of yours, they celebrated when you departed long ago. That hurt a little bit, and it would be kind of weird. Just like it would be kind of weird to celebrate Jesus' ascension if what we were celebrating were Jesus' departure. But we're not. Now that, that's not what we're celebrating. If you look closely, all those readings assigned for today, two of which record Jesus' actual ascension, you'll notice that none of them use that word ascension. Even in our English translations, they speak of being lifted up or, or carried up, taken up. Or maybe best from that Ephesians reading, say that Jesus is seated at the right hand in the heavenly places. Mark that that is not departure language, but lifted up language. In fact, ascension is only the right word for today if we understand it in the way that the early church did and so why they were so intent on celebrating it. It's ascension language as in ascend to the throne. That's what they used to say, what they still say, I guess, when a monarch uh, uh, becomes, the, the, or be, becomes the king or queen for the first time. When they come up to the throne, we say they ascend the throne. That's what Saint, uh, Prince Charles is waiting for, right, after his, his mother finally dies, that he'll have his chance to ascend to the throne. And that's what Ascension Day is all about. Today we celebrate Jesus as this great king. Returning victorious from battle, 
Returning from his battle with sin, death, and the devil, having distinguished himself on the battlefield of the cross, stopped off in hell to proclaim his victory, risen victorious to proclaim his victory, now ascends. King of kings, Lord of lords, over all, well, for a time no longer visible, but yet as present as the breath on your lungs as these words are proclaimed to you today. So sing at the end of the service, crowned with many crowns. His ascension is coronation day. Which is good news. Which is why we celebrate today and why Christians have for centuries. But it's also bad news. Or at least it's news that stings. And not because it hurts Jesus' feelings, no, and not, but, but perhaps because it's going to hurt yours. Because you see that Jesus ascended to the throne means that someone else is not on the throne means that you're not on the throne and neither am I and that can be a bitter pill to swallow one we really only finally choke down when we die bitter because we really like fashioning ourselves royalty I know this is the case I know you could ask the people um, with whom I live And they would probably tell you, if they were honest, just how much I enjoy making myself king of the castle. And the people with whom you live would probably say the same of you. I remember being in England uh, some time ago, I guess 20 years ago now or more. We visited a place called uh, Hampton Court Palace, which was one of the, the favorite residences of King Henry VIII, I guess. And one of the things I remember the tour guide talking about as we toured this palatious palace uh, was how everything, everything there was choreographed to make sure that the king remained happy. How the women dressed, and which women he would see, and when he would see them. Uh, The food. What food was going to be prepared, when it was prepared, what smells would be allowed to make it to wherever the king was, what smells would not be allowed to to make it where he was, and how much food, which was a prodigious amount for King Henry VIII, I remember. How basically everyone had tiptoe around everywhere to make sure the king stayed happy, lest the king chopped your head off. Which is perhaps not a bad picture of wannabe kings and queens like you and me. I'm captain of this ship. I'm king of this castle. I'm going to do what I want. And it's your job to make me happy. Or do whatever making me happy means. Or I'm going to chop your head off. Well, the bad news, the stinging news part of Ascension Day, the forgetting of which is a big part of the sinful and unclean we confess every Sunday, is that you are not king. Jesus is. But there's also good news. And oddly enough, 
the good news happens to be the very same news as the bad news. Jesus is king, and you are not. (laughs) And the reason that is good news is that for all our playing at kinging and queening, being king of your own castle and captain of your own ship is not all it's cracked up to be. In fact, that is grueling work. It is hard work, and it is work none of us are finally up to. Because you see, when you are king of your own castle, it means the burden of that castle not crumbling to the ground falls squarely on your shoulders and your shoulders alone. When you are captain of your own ship, when that captain sinks, it is all over and it is your fault and your fault alone. Sure, it's wonderful to live in a world where people tell you, you can do or be anything you want. You are king of the world. But the shine on that rubs off pretty quickly. Becomes rather grim news. As you realize that you can be anything you want. Always comes with this strong undercurrent. And it darn well better be good. And it darn well better be good. You're the king and you can do whatever you want. Young man, young woman, old man, old lady. But it better be something important. And it better be something that fulfills all your potential. Be something you look back at and say in your older days, that sure was good. Better be shining, worthy of envy, and impress your parents and and impress your friends and be post-worthy. So reading a book the last couple weeks um, it's called The Weariness of the Self. <laughs> it's by some French research psychologist, psychiatrist. It's kind of a, a history of uh, depression, he would say. And in fact, one of the things he, he, he notes in there is that basically all of us, everyone, is depressed in one way or another, even if not clinically so. He goes on to say that the the hallmark of this depression is that that weariness or fatigue. In fact, the literal translation of the the French title of the book would be the fatigue of being you. And, And he says, interestingly, too, that depression becomes the hallmark of modern culture at precisely the time when there stops being real kings in the world and all the kind of stuff that went around with that that world. He said, back in the day of actual kings, he says, instead of being told you can do and be whatever you want, be burdened to make sure that was just right, you were simply told things. You just fit in certain places. There's your job, farmer. There's your wife, Jane. There's your house with the thatched roof. Go work, live in it, have kids, several centuries, several, several decades. If you're lucky, die, and then the next generation. That's kind of it. Now, you can probably pretty quickly say that's not a perfect world, and there's maybe uh, some, 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 some things in that world's got its problems. But one of them is not having to be your own king. 
One of them one of is not being told you can do and be whatever you want and you darn well better choose something good and it better be spectacular or you ruined your life. Which is what we're all saddled with in one way or another. Be your own king. Which is not a task any of us are up to. Which is exhausting. Which is why a lot of us, a lot of the time, feel like we can never keep up. We're all falling behind just a little bit more. Anxious will choose wrong. And then, and so more than a little bit depressed. In our epistle reading for today, St. Paul says that he's been doing some praying. In fact, he's been praying nonstop for his friends, the saints in Ephesus. Paul did an awful lot of that praying back then, and I'm quite certain that we can be sure that now that he's with Jesus, that he's still praying. In fact, you can be sure that along with the rest of the company of heaven, he's praying for all of us, praying, praying now the very things he was praying for those Ephesians. He was praying then and is praying now that the eyes of our hearts, that your heart and mine would be opened that they would be opened to know and to see and rejoice and revel in the very good news that Jesus is king and you are not. Like the prayer we'll sing ourselves during the offering, he's praying that the eyes of our hearts would be opened to see Jesus high and lifted up, to see him and know him as your king, to know him that in him you are rich and have a glorious inheritance. Paul does not tell the Ephesians, and Jesus does not tell you, you can be anything you want. That's too big a burden to bear. Instead, Jesus tells you who and what you already are. You are a subject of the gracious King. You're a baptized, redeemed, and forgiven child. All those decisions and choices, then, when we're faced with every day, with the prospect of messing it all up, they're still there. I won't say there's not going to be any anxiety around them, but there's a whole lot less when you realize that all those decisions and every one of those choices come a long time after the only choice that finally matters. Jesus' choice. From before the foundation of the world to make you his very own and to be your king. For you to live under him in everlasting innocence and blessedness and righteousness, even as he is risen from the dead, lives and reigns to all eternity. So when you crash your ship and your castle crumbles, and it will, you can rest knowing he's still your king and you're still his own. Jesus is ascended to the throne. Jesus is king and you are not. What a relief. Thanks be to God. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.